Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. Hey, well, hi there, family. I'm sorry I can't be with you today. I really had hoped uh, things would be better by now and I'd be testing negative, but hey, here we are and we're able to use this great medium of video uh, to, to bring you the message today. So I'm glad we can continue on in our uh, message and, uh, or in our series on prayer. Um, and so let's, let's jump right in here. We're, Terry read the scripture for you a few minutes ago, uh, Matthew 6, 9 to 12. Uh, and we're going to be talking today about forgiveness and about what it means to forgive. Now, have you ever tried to bargain with God? Have you ever thought about how silly it is to bargain with God? You, you see it all the time in, in media. You see it all the time in uh, films and shows and books. And uh, you, you may have bar- tried to bargain with God in the past. God, if you do this, I will do that. Or if you do this, I will never do that again. Uh, and it's, it's just complete foolishness to try and barter with God, right? It, right? God is not someone we can make agreements or arrangements with then. God is someone who we owe everything to. And this is why forgiveness is the central feature of Christianity. Forgiveness is the absolute hardcore center of faith in Jesus, of this thing we call Christianity. And it's it's central because there's nothing we could ever do to gain God's forgiveness. There's nothing we could ever bring to the table that would be enough to barter with God. God is too high. God is too beyond us. And so it's, it's important that in this prayer that Jesus gave us, in this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that we now come to the place where we ask forgiveness. We have worshiped God. We've looked upon God and we've worshiped Him. We'd ask God to provide for our daily needs and acknowledged our dependence on God for our daily needs. Now, in this petition of the prayer, we're going to acknowledge God for the need to have a relationship with Him. We're going to acknowledge our helplessness before God by coming and asking for forgiveness. This part of the prayer should make us uncomfortable a little. It it should make us look at ourselves and go, who am I really? It should be a mirror back to us. It's important that Jesus begins this petition, forgive us, before he talks about us forgiving. You see, when we forgive, we're in the position of power. When we forgive, we're in the position where, where we're able to give forgiveness to someone else. And so it puts us into a greater position than others. But when we ask forgiveness, we are humbled. When we ask for forgiveness, we're acknowledging, I have no right to ask this forgiveness of you. I have done wrong. When we ask forgiveness, it presumes that we have done wrong. And that's where we begin. We are all people in need of forgiveness. There's not a one of us, not a one of us gathered here, or one of us in the world who doesn't need forgiveness from God. We all desperately need forgiveness. This is the central truth of Christianity, that sin, human sin, has broken the world and broken our relationships and broken you and me. And we desperately need forgiveness of that sin. In fact, without 
forgiveness of our sin. We can't have eternal life. We can't have relationship with God. We can't even have full relationship with one another. We need forgiveness. And so we start with this basic presumption of human sinfulness. Now, not everybody shares this. This is not a universally acknowledged truth that we are all sinners, or even on the definition of what sin is. But the very fundamental reality of the scriptures of of Christianity, the very fundamental reality of our faith is that we acknowledge every single person on earth is a sinner. We are born in sin. If uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not a one of us who is without sin. We are sinners from birth. From the very moment we open our eyes, we are born sinners. And if you doubt that, spend a little time with a three-year-old. Spend a little time with a rebellious child. You didn't teach that kid to rebel. You didn't teach that kid to say no. You didn't teach that kid to try and force their own way. And yet it's natural to us. It's innate to us that we are going to rebel. We are rebellious creatures. We are sinners. We rebel against our parents. We rebel against authority. We rebel against people who try to tell us what to do. And most of all, we rebel against God. Sin is that. Sin is rebellion against God. God created us. God made us. God breathed life into us. God made us to look like God, to to function like God, to rule over the world like God does, and to have all of God's character. But from the moment that we are young, from the moment that we're born, we begin to rebel against God's purposes for us, God's intentions for us. And we choose to go our own way, to chart our own course, to to be our own people. I'm going to be my own man. And the Bible tells us that that's rebellion. It's rebellion against God. When we know what God has said to do and we choose not to do it, that is rebellion against God. It is sin. When we know how God has created us to be and we choose to be something different, we are rebelling against God. And all of creation rebels against God. All of creation rebels against God's order, including you and me. We are sinners. It is who we are. It is what we are from birth. And this sin requires confession. It requires forgiveness. You see, there are two things God can do with our sin. One is to give us justice, which I will tell you none of us wants. None of us wants God to give us justice for our sin. If God were to give us justice for our rebellion, we would die eternally. We would die completely. We would be in hell. That is justice for our rebellion. That is justice for our sin. Eternal separation from God eternal estrangement from God, the eternal death of hell is what we rightly deserve for our sin. That is the condition of the world. That's where we stand. And that is what justice is for rebellion against God. And none of us wants that. None of us wants justice to be done 
for us. We may want justice for someone else. We may want justice for something someone else did. But when it comes to our own sin, none of us wants justice. We want instead the other thing God could do, which is to issue forgiveness. God could forgive our sin rather than giving us justice. And that's what God has done for us in Jesus. That's what he did for the people of Israel when he set up the temple system and the sacrificial system that would offer forgiveness through the sacrifice of animals to the people of Israel. And that's what God has done for you and for me in Jesus Christ, in sacrificing himself for our sin, giving us access to God's forgiveness. So we come to God longing for forgiveness. And we dare not come in an entitled way. We dare not come in a way that says, I own your forgiveness. I earn your forgiveness. I, am, I Lord, have, have uh, worked hard and I've done my best and therefore, God, you should forgive me. That's not how we stand before God. That's bargaining. Instead, we come to God empty-handed. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling, goes the old hymn. And that's the posture we come with when we say, God, forgive us. And so we, we come to God and we ask forgiveness before we forgive others, before we claim the right of power or the, the power and authority to forgive others. We come recognizing, God, I am dependent on you for my life. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I know what you have said to do and I do not do it. I know what you've said not to do and I choose to do those things. God, I know who you are and I choose to rebel against you. And so I am a sinner. And we come to God asking forgiveness. And then secondly, Jesus continues and says, as we forgive others. You see, the, the posture of the forgiven person is to forgive. That's our posture. That's why forgiveness is central to Christianity. It's why it's a central feature of Christianity. We forgive as we have been forgiven. That is who we are. Christians ought to be people who are marked out first and foremost by forgiveness. When someone walks into our community and they see people who inevitably wrong one another, they ought to be shocked at the level of forgiveness that we offer to each other. We are a people who are ready to forgive because our God has forgiven us. And we recognize that our standing before God rests solely on what he has done and the forgiveness that he gives. Therefore, we can then give that forgiveness to others. Christians ought to be the sweetest people in the world, the kindest, most forgiving people in the world. But we live in a world, we live in a culture in a day and age when many Christians, instead of being forgiving, are calling for retribution. They call to stand on my rights and demand my rights. They call to, to take up arms against those who would wrong us. They are anything but forgiving. And yet, Christians are those who are to be primarily marked by forgiveness. The forgiveness that we have received and therefore the forgiveness that we issue. We give 
forgiveness. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He and his wife were in an argument, and I just happened to be there. I didn't see the argument, but I saw the after effects and the bickering and the fighting that was happening. And this friend is not a believer, not a follower of Jesus. And so we were having a conversation, and I, I asked if I could give him a little advice. They've been married four years, five years. I've been married 11 I don't know a lot more, <laughs> but, but I asked if I could offer some advice. And here's the advice I gave him. Forgive your wife before she has a chance to ask for it. Here, here is a principle for marriage, for Christian marriage. Forgive your spouse before they have a chance to ask for it. Just assume forgiveness. If your spouse wrongs you, we forgive. Now, there are limits here, right? There's, there's justice that needs to be done. There are wrongs that our spouses can do to us that would break our covenant. But what I told my friend was, anything short of something that would break your marriage covenant, that would be a reason for divorce, anything short of something that would cause your marriage to break apart, forgive it immediately. Forgive it before she has a chance to ask for it. And wives, the same goes for you. In our marriages, anything short of something that would break our marriage apart, we forgive before the other person has a chance even to ask it. And I think the same should be true of our Christian community. Anything short of abuse or something that's going to eternally hurt somebody or, or physically hurt somebody, anything short of something that's really going to damage or, or break someone, we ought to forgive long before the person has a chance to ask for the forgiveness. Forgiveness ought to be our natural posture. Now, there are things that people can do to one another that will utterly ruin other people. There are abuses and there are excesses and there are things that we do to each other that demand we deal with them before forgiveness can be issued. But I'll tell you this, and I mean this completely. I hope that there's nothing I couldn't eventually forgive. I hope there's nothing anybody could do to me that I could not eventually forgive. It may take work. It may take working through things. It may take long times of grieving and of processing. It may take seeing justice done in the case of someone who harmed my family. But I do hope that because of the forgiveness I have received in Jesus, which is infinitely more than any forgiveness I could give to someone else, I do hope there's nothing anyone could do to me that would cause me to never be able to forgive them. This is not to make excuses. This is not to say justice shouldn't be done. But we are forgiven infinitely more than we can forgive. And as Christians, our natural posture should be to issue that same forgiveness to other people. Now, I said a moment ago, justice may still need to be done. A debt still has to be paid. And when we forgive, we assume the debt of the wrong that's been done to us. This is the hardest part of Christian teaching on forgiveness. Because we can often accept that Jesus took on our debt on the cross. We can often accept that Jesus took the penalty for my sin, that he bore the weight of my sin. He paid the price for my sin. 
But then we stop short when I have to pay for someone else's sin. I shouldn't have to do that. That's their responsibility. They need to pay for their sin. They need to deal with it. But when we forgive, whether it's something tiny or something large, we pay at least part of the debt that is owed to us. When we forgive, we pay the debt of our debtors. We pay the debt of those who owe us. We take on the sin of the one who sinned against us, and we pay for it. See, forgiveness is not merely saying things are okay. Forgiveness is not merely letting people off the hook. It's not just wiping things away and pretending like they didn't happen. That's not forgiveness. That's escapism. That's avoidance. That's toxic, and it's bad, and it's wrong, and it will hurt and harm us. Forgiveness is an acknowledgement that, yes, something deeply wrong has happened here. But I, as the one who has been wronged, am choosing to pay the debt for the one who wronged me. I'm choosing to assume some of the debt, if not all of it, for the person who wronged me. That's what forgiveness is, which means it it demands that we recognize the wrong that's been done and we name it. I don't let our kids get away with saying, I'm sorry. You never get to say just, I'm sorry in my house. You have to say, I'm sorry that I blank. I'm sorry for blank. You have to name your wrong. All too often we get away with saying, I'm sorry in general terms without specifically naming the wrong and how it hurts someone. If we don't name the wrong, we can't really forgive or be forgiven. And so we name the wrong. And we choose to pay the debt for that wrong when we forgive someone else. Because that's what's been done for us in Jesus Christ. That's what God has done for us. He has paid for our wrongs. And in gratitude to Him, we choose to pay the wrongs of those who wrong us. We choose to pay the debt of our debtors. And that's what happened on the cross. You see, the cross is not some magical instrument that wipes away our sin with no consequences. It's not something that just comes along and says, it's okay, it's all right, and lets us get away with things. Your sin, my sin, cost the life of the Son of God. Our sin cost Jesus, his life. Our sin caused Jesus, God in the flesh, God who lived in eternity, God who rules over everything. It caused God himself to come and to walk the world as one of us and to endure the most excruciating death as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. The cross doesn't let us off the hook. The cross is the place where God says, your sin is intolerable to me. The cross is the place where God says, your sin makes me sick. Your sin makes me angry. Your sin has broken your relationships. It's broken my good world. It has offended me deeply. The cross is the place of God's deep pain and yes, God's deep anger being worked out. It's the place where God's wrath falls once and for all upon our sin. 
The cross names our wrongs. The cross names our sin and says it's not okay. It's not all right. It doesn't sweep it under the rug. It doesn't just wipe it away with no consequence. The cross is the place where God displays for us in all of its ugliness the true depths of our rebellion and sin against him. And it's also the place where God on the cross in Jesus Christ reaches out his arms and says, I love you. I love you. And as sick as your sin makes me, as angry as I am at the sin that has broken the world, as angry as I am at your rebellion, I will pay the price for it. I am sick and angry, but the answer is not to destroy you. The answer is for me, God says. The answer is for me, Jesus says, to pay the price for your rebellion. When we come to God and we ask forgiveness, we're not just asking for God to wipe away our sin and tell us it's all okay. When we come to God and we ask forgiveness, we are basing that, we are rooting it in the cross of Jesus Christ, the place where God in the flesh endured the pain and brokenness of our sin so that we can be made free. That's the heart of Christianity. That's the heart of our faith. And some of that is deeply offensive, I know. If we want to be very optimistic about human nature, it is offensive to believe that we are all sinners from the very beginning. If we want to think that all people are basically good, it is deeply offensive to believe instead that no, in fact, we are actually rebellious against one another and against our good God. And yet it ought to be deeply comforting that our God who is righteously angry with our sin, our God who is righteously sickened by our sin has nevertheless said, but I don't want that sin to destroy you. And so I will instead let it destroy me so that you can have life. God could have given us justice or forgiveness for our sin. And in the cross, God does both. He brings judgment upon sin by allowing it to destroy him, to destroy the body of Jesus Christ. And he gives us forgiveness by taking the consequences and paying the debt that we owe him. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day to confess your sin, to confess our sin and to say, Lord, I'm not deserving. I am not worthy. I am a rebellious sinner, but Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me my sin. Forgive me my rebellion. Forgive me the ways that I've hurt you and your people and the world. Forgive me, Lord. On the basis of Jesus Christ, today is the day to look upon the cross and the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ and to know the cost of your forgiveness and to turn in gratitude to God. And so as Mindy comes, she's going to lead you as we take communion together, as we take into ourselves the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I would urge you before you partake, before you break that cracker and you you drink of that cup come before God aware of what your forgiveness costs 
and lay your sin before him. Seek his forgiveness now and know that because of that bread and that cup, you are forgiven. Lord God, would you assure these who are gathered today as as we approach this table to partake of the bread and the cup, would you, Lord, assure us that you have forgiven us once for all in Jesus Christ, that your anger no longer falls on us, that your God, I to us is one of love and of mercy, of gracious acceptance into your family because of what was done on Calvary 2,000 years ago and what was done in the empty tomb and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. God, assure us of your forgiveness. Thank you that you have modeled this prayer for us, Jesus, and that you've brought us to the place to ask forgiveness. But Lord, you didn't just tell us to ask for it. Lord, you walked the road to Calvary that would win forgiveness for our sins. Lord, give us a knowledge, a deep knowledge of the true depths of our sin. Lord, give us a conviction. God, a conviction that says, I am guilty, but a conviction not rooted in shame that says, I am, Lord, my sin. A conviction that allows us to bring our sin to you and be washed clean of it so that we can be holy in your sight as Jesus is holy. And Lord, would you now, through this act of taking of this bread and cup of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, would you, Holy Spirit, now empower us to forgive as you have forgiven us, to live as forgivers, to be people who are marked out primarily by forgiveness the forgiveness we've received, and the forgiveness that we breathe, that we live out, that we, Lord, issue when we are wronged. I pray for every one of us that there's nothing that could be done that we couldn't forgive, even as, Lord, we long for justice to be done in the world, even as we long for wrongs to be righted, even as we long for you, Lord Jesus, to come and to make all things right again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.